106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And it's on like Donkey Kong. What's up? Welcome, listening public. Welcome, everybody. My name is Elliot Lawrence, and you are listening to The Gig Podcast. Very first episode. Congratulations. You made it. This podcast like is called part. The Players Podcast, and it is for musicians and people who love music. We're going to talk about music, musicianship, um, the overlying culture of musicianship, uh, how we interact with people, other musicians, etc., etc. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy what you hear. I am here with a very good friend of mine who is uh, assisting in the facilitation of this podcast. He is a longtime collaborator, very good friend. Of, we've worked together a lot over the years. Dominic White, say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Well, I'm sure they would be saying they're doing fine <laughs> if they could respond. So, uh, oh, right. This is radio. Right. This well, podcast. Close enough to it. Anyway, it's what it means is they can. Well, they can answer back if you want to... Uh, voice an opinion on anything you hear here, you can do so on the Gig Podcast Facebook page, which um, is not up yet, but by the time this uh, by the time this is available to listen to, uh, it will be up and running on Facebook. So just do a search for the gig, spelled D-A-G-I-G, and uh, you will stumble across, hopefully you'll stumble across our Facebook page and uh, put up a video uh, put up a greeting, say hi, talk about what you heard today, let us know what you think, and uh, we hope you enjoy it a whole lot, because uh, we've been looking, really looking forward to recording this. So let's uh, let's jump right in. I'll start with myself. I'm a bass player, singer, uh, songwriter, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I live in Long Beach, California right now. I've been in Long Beach, uh, I've been in California, I should say, for a couple of decades at this point, but Pittsburgh is one of those places you never really stop being from. So whenever anybody asks me where I'm from, I don't say California. I say, I say I'm from Pittsburgh. I play bass, uh, goof around on a couple of other instruments, and play uh, uh, various and sundry gigs around Southern California area primarily. Even though I'm going to be doing some traveling in the next couple months, and I'm kind of excited about that. Looking forward to it. Uh, but that's the basics about me. Uh, I started playing bass sort of late. Uh, Towards the end of my junior year in high school, I came across the instrument and realized, hey, I really, really like this. So uh, shout out to Paul Thompson, my old uh, school buddy and uh, sometime bass teacher who showed me a lot. He's a great musician from Pittsburgh. Uh, look him up and follow him on the various social medias. Um, so that's a little about me. Dominic, tell us about you. Uh, well, I'm a musician based out of uh, Anaheim and... Uh I uh, play lots of guitar. I've been playing guitar for about, I don't know, 20 plus years and just kind of uh, started exploring uh, synths and sort of a keyboard player also. I, I played uh, in a band for a little bit. And uh, yeah, so I, I played a lot of jazz for a, a while and uh, kind of, you know, did a lot of gigs in, in L.A. and Orange County. Oh, this sounds so pretentious. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound pretentious, man. It's, I mean, it's you're telling the truth, right? It's not like you're making stuff up. And also, uh, I have a little synth 
project that I'm doing. What's uh, it called? Called Romantic Analog, and I've been doing that for about five years, and only had about two, maybe three shows, um, and hoping to do more. But really, really interested in the in the synth thing right now, and um, and this week is Nam, so all the synth people are over there. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, just a musician doing my thing out of Anaheim and released a couple of albums. And uh, I could talk about that more later. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's kind of me. Um, I am not in any groups at the moment, uh, though. Hopefully that will change in the future. I'm certain that it will, because, you know, you kind of know what you're doing. And uh, speaking as somebody who's uh, spent a lot of time making music with you, hey, you're real good at it, and you're a fun, you're a fun person to gig with. So uh, Stop, you're embarrassing me. I'm just... <laughs> well, it's embarrassment that you deserve. And since you mentioned it, let's uh, jump right into it. So this is being recorded uh, half past January... Uh, and as any uh, SoCal musician will tell you, this is about the time where the big story in this part of the world is the NAM show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the uh, NAM show is, well, first of all, NAM, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dominic, because I stumble sometimes, but NAM stands for the National Association of Music Merchants? Merchandisers? No, I think think it's National Association of Music and Mayhem. Obviously, that is the correct. Music and Mayhem. And that is exactly what happens at the Anaheim Convention Center uh, January slash February of every year. Now, for real, it's, it's National Association of Music Merchants. And basically what it is is a big trade show um, where people who work in the retail side of music, uh, sort of throw a big, uh, big thing. They take pretty much, they take over pretty much the entire Anaheim convention center complex, which is just across the street from Disneyland. So that place is already just touristy as hell. And then you get every musician in the world showing up. Well, not everyone. Cause I'm not here right now. I'm not there right now. Uh, to be frank, I had kind of talked myself out of going this year but uh, as I'm sitting, I woke up this morning having major FOMO. Woke up this morning having major FOMO. Did you just make that up just now? That was amazing. It, it happens. <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes you get that's, FOMO. That spark of brilliance. Yeah, that's exactly. I woke up as like, yeah, I spent the whole last month and a half going, ah, I'm not worried about that. I ain't going. I don't think I'll go this year. Went last year, went the year before that. Um, I was like, I don't know if I feel like going this year. Woke up this morning. Start seeing people's Facebook posts about it being at NAM. NAM twenty twenty <laughs> party. And I'm like, damn. And the funny thing is, like a lot of people, people that I really like and that I'm friends with or whatever, are going this year that didn't go last year, or the year before. I'm like, shit. Well, if I'd have known so and so was going, like, I probably would have thought about trying to get a badge or something, but but I digress. So anyway, NAM is going on right now. It's a big, big deal. Um Dominic, tell me about your previous NAM experiences. Uh, I went to NAM. I think my first NAM was two thousand and seven. I want to say or two thousand eight. Um, wow. Yeah, I saw uh, 
this guitar player, I think her name is Ariel. She she's like I think she's with Guitar Center or Ernie Ball or something, but she was really good. Okay. Um that was really fun. And uh the more recent NAM experiences were cool. I, I checked out the Roland booth was really fun. They had a huge setup. Um I remember that. They really did. It was they like they went all out. Yeah, like it had to have been at least 1,500 square feet or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. All bunch of new gear and stuff. See, that's one of the – so there's two big draws to NAM. Uh Number one, well, first of all, you're going to see Stevie Wonder because Stevie Wonder always, always shows there. up at always. NAM. As a matter of fact, there's a silly meme that says NAM bingo. And one of the uh, – I think the free space that you would get in bingo is occupied by Saw Stevie Wonder. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, – so the draw is, yeah, you get to see lots of famous people or well, mm-hmm. famous people mm-hmm. and great musicians, which is actually, you know, in the child context prodigies. of what we're talking about. Yeah, you see child prodigies, you know, you get to see some great players. In addition to that, you get to see some great, really awesome new gear. Um, like I've actually like last year when I went and the year before that, I um, sort of was there in an educational capacity because I was teaching at the time. And so, like, I was, like, specifically looking for things that would work as, like, good resources for music students. And I actually came across some really great stuff. Um, so it does have, uh, even though it's, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, here, okay. So the the rest of my NAM experience. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Was, uh, yeah, it's it was fun. Um, a lot of walking around, a lot of booths. Um for me, the, the, recently, it's just been kind of walking around, mulling around, and I'll just kind of find, like, a mini bar, and just be like, yeah, give me a – can I need a drink for this? And uh, so it's been fun. It's just been kind of um, – The problem is they mark up all the prices of everything for that weekend. Oh, oh of course. Uh, yeah, so it's fun. Uh, I just – this year was just kind of my – taking a break from nam year there's nothing wrong with so so you so you're not having any nam fomo anything no, like that no there's a lot lots of cool gear coming out in the synth uh department but nothing that's really grabbing me nothing that's like oh this is amazing um so i'm good i'm, I'm good for this year okay that's all that matters you're at peace with your decision i'm still struggling personally to sort of come to peace with my decision is it, it's funny because up to all up till this morning i was fine and like I, nam starts this morning and i was like oh man some great players are gonna be there and it's you know and i'm just it's, it's 2020 just the numbers it's the it's nam 2020 numbers yeah side by side exactly it's like there's a sort of a there's a what's the word there's a symmetry vision. oh i was hoping you wouldn't say it Catch 2020. No, no, no. 2020 <laughs> vision. So, well, everybody was thinking it, so somebody had to say it. Anyway, so, uh, but yeah, I'll be there next year. Um, so let's see. My previous NAM experiences, what was good, what was bad? Honestly, the only bad thing I had was like, after a while, your feet start hurting. Like, it's like, damn, I've been walking for how long? It's like Disneyland. You're like, this is fun, but. Ow. Exactly. Exactly. And like I mentioned, that you know they jack up the food prices, which oh, I guess Lord. in any kind of conventional type of situation they're going to do that. That's why you bring a sack lunch. They let you bring that in? I, I don't know, actually. Well, you can always you know dip out, go somewhere. You know, uh, yeah. It's not. I mean, it's Anaheim, there's, so it's not like there's any shortage of places to eat. So there's like a family restaurant up the street. What's One it of called? Those touristy family restaurant. It's it's on. Um, Catella and that street that goes by 
uh, downtown Disney. Oh, I know the place you're talking about. Yeah, I've never eaten there. And uh, it's it's you know it's, it's very catered towards tourists. It's Nothing wrong like, with that. Well, well I mean, the Mickey it, Burger and the, the Mickey goofy burger. drink. Is it shaped? Is the Mickey Burger shaped like a Mickey Mouse? Head? I'm sure. It is. is it so? The burger is a hidden Mickey. <laughs> I'm so mad at that. I'm saying though, for my money, I'm saying if you're gonna be in Anaheim and you're not gonna eat, you know, in, you know, grab a snack in Nam. I, if you're going to be in that area, there's like just a Brain block down. Makers. Well, you could do that, but like, um, the, just a block down uh, Harbor Boulevard from the convention center. There's they opened a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in Anaheim a couple years ago. So like, is that in in the marketplace? Nah, nah, it's 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 standalone. It's oh, okay. just there by itself. Um, but it's good. It's the legit the marketplace. Could use a bump. <laughs> Which one is the marketplace? The one with the AMC in in the back, and then there's like a Pacific Sun. Just a bunch of stores. That Wait, are... you talking about Downtown Disney? Um, the the House of Blues, the new one in Anaheim, is now at the Garden Walk. Right, right. Yeah, so the that go- spot is pretty. Wait, that isn't that they move, There's a movie theater there now, though, too. I think I think that's it where was AMC taken moved. out to make room for the House of Blues. Oh, huh. yeah. I think okay, I would know because I don't go to the Garden Walk. Because I'm a human and nobody goes to the Garden Walk. That's why it's a ghost town. <laughs> Ouch. The Garden Walk hate is thick up in here. Oh yeah. At any rate, so you got you got choices if you're going to Nam. Um, don't don't eat the expensive ass mediocre food in Nam. Go somewhere. You got your badge. You can go eat in and out as much as you want elsewhere. Yeah, I mean it's all going to be expensive because I mean it's Anaheim and it's like in the Disneyland area. The Disney so district. pretty much everything there is going to be. You know, they're going to make you pay for it because they can. Um, Mickey wants his vig. Mickey wants his, Mickey wants his what? His vig. I don't know what that means. Vigorish. It's like a term for um, uh, what you pay out onto the street, like a mafia guy. You pay the vig. That's like uh, the principal. Okay. That's the. I could be wrong, though. Okay. But that's it. That's basically it. That's the second mafia reference you've made in the last 15 minutes. Sorry, I've just been reading, reading it, watching it. I've been trying. I've been <laughs> trying to take a break from it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, as a matter of fact, later on, I want you. You were telling me you saw the Irishman. I want you to tell me about that. But that's for later. Sure. Uh, so we just. Uh, so that's Nam. Uh, the one big perk to not going to Nam this year is no Nam Thrax. Nam Thrax. Is what? that like a sickness you get? Apparently there is a kind of like if you catch the flu from having or or if you get a cold or whatever from, from you know after you go to Nam it's because you caught Nam Thrax. And you know you oh. I mean you got people coming from all over the world so it's not inconceivable that you know you can catch the Osaka flu. I have no idea what that is. Uh, it was like a flu in the 80s. <laughs> the Osaka <laughs> flu. Yeah. So it was like the uh, beta testing version of the swine flu then? Pretty much. Yeah. All right. It was like Bird one flu. of those celebrity sicknesses. Celebrity sickness. Now that would be a great name for a band. But I digress. All right. So, um, so we're about 15 days into 2020, Dominic. Uh, how's it been going for you so far? Uh, just mass depression every day no i'm just kidding it's no it's uh it's okay it's um 2020 has been interesting so far uh i have a job which is good hey congratulations and a uh, job got a job and i'm not sure why i said that in a british accent 
Um, uh, yeah, so it's been kind of run of the mill. Uh, my students are, are interesting. So uh, you're teaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. teaching music at a place that at a we're place. not going to get too specific about. And, uh, yeah, I've got cool students, and um, I think I'm going to release a single this weekend. Really? Yes. That's exciting. So I'm working on that. And um, I'm trying to read more this year. I guess that's kind of a resolution. Um, we got the book you're reading right here. I Why don't you tell the fine people what it is? I just I, I laid I strewn books around before uh, Elliot got here, so I look <laughs> smart. I just oh, that's just a book I, I have. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, you know, there's lots of books. You there's know, another I just... book. <laughs> just reading books. Let's see. It says here, "Rip it up and start again." Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's a really good book. Uh, who's it by? Simon Reynolds. Yes. Do tell. It's um, it's like a book about post-punk and new wave and uh, uh, regular punk and just things that I kind of needed uh, filling in on. I have like a bunch of musical gaps in my, in my history knowledge that I kind of want to hmm. fill in. Next is Motown. Uh, next is... Uh, I don't know what's after Motown, but uh, but yeah. So just been doing more reading and just trying to uh, you know enjoy. Can you tell books uh, again? Can you tell me who Motown is by? Uh, the book? Oh no no no! It's it's called Dancing in the Streets. Dancing in the Streets. Yes. Oh, okay. But I don't know the author. All right. Well, uh, I mean that shouldn't be too difficult to find. I mean yeah. that sounds pretty. It's, so it's Dancing in the Streets, Motown. That'll probably jump it up for you. If you Google search it, do your Googles. Mm -hmm. So um, if we're talking reading, if we're making reading recommendations, I'm going to, it might be kind of hard to find, but the drummer for the police, Stuart Copeland, uh, did an autobiography about, I don't know, it must have been like seven, eight, nine years ago. It was called Strange Things Happen, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's uh, not a new book, but it's a great book. It just talks about his experiences, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, forming the police, the solo stuff he did before uh, meeting Sting and forming the police with him. And also, and this is what I found most interesting, it talks about what he did after the police. And what you come to realize as you read this book and um, is that Stuart Copeland, you know, to the, a big chunk of the of people at large, he's, you know, he's... You know, that guy who played drums in Sting's Man. Sure. But then you read the book, you come to find out Stuart Copeland is Stuart Copeland. And that is a really big deal. Like in the rest of the world, like, you know, after the police broke up, uh, you want to, I mean, Sting apparently used to always complain that Stuart Copeland had a terrible sense of time, was always rushing, wasn't that great of a drummer, Ouch. couldn't groove. Right. But here's the thing after the police broke up, like, he started a band with, um, uh, Les Claypool. And oh, okay. after that, it was Stanley Clark. And after that, it was Armand Subaleco. So, but, I mean. But Sting also played with uh, kind of, you know, jazzier. Of course, names. yeah. And I'm, yeah, so he, he, you know, his perspective is going to be different. Uh, the only, I'm not, you know, this is not shade to Sting, believe me. That guy's oh, a superhero. Oh, you can throw shade on as far, Sting. Not on, I, I, I cannot throw shade to Sting. <laughs> that guy's a superhero as far as I'm concerned. I'm just saying, like, you know, all these great bass players kept on seeking him out. Sure. So he must have been doing something right. Um, you find out he's done a lot of scoring work, a bunch of movies, TV shows. Uh, he's written an opera. I remember seeing a wow. sign for an opera that he did the, at, in Long Beach a while back, like at 
I can't remember what venue it was, but point being, so Stewart has stayed busy and um, he did pretty well for himself. And his book talks about all of that. Again, it's called Strange Things Happen and it's very good. And since we're talking about Stewart, let me put a little something on the table. Um, this is uh, This is going to be sort of a rant, but that doesn't mean I don't want you to like contribute rant um, away all right so here's my rant this isn't a rant a complaining rant this is a a shout out rant this is a rant of appreciation for the other guy now who is the other guy there are several other guys i always have like sort of a an appreciation for that person in that band or in that group or whatever who like low-key is kind of a very important part of what's going on like a perfect example uh, if you take, if you've, anybody who's ever been to a, like, you know, who Bruce Springsteen is, right? Who? What a dumb question. I really just <laughs> asked, do you know who Bruce Springsteen? So Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, um, there's another guy in the E Street Band, like, you always, you know, he like wears a head, his name is, his name is Steven Van Zant. Everybody calls him Little Stevie. Yes, yes. Uh, he's the rhythm guitar player, uh, co-songwriter, co-vocalist, and like, like, there's always, there's, if you visualize, like, the E Street Band, one of the enduring images is Bruce and little Stevie like sharing a mic screaming some chorus or whatever. It's like, wow, this cat is was around from day one. He's kind of like he's been kind of integral to this whole uh E Street band thing. Go to check out little Stevie's uh resume. He's actually done some great stuff. He's done some great solo work. Uh, right now Not he's all about you, Bruce. Exactly. He's um, he spearheaded this educational initiative. He like basically does a traveling school of rock um, that has been a great resource for uh, for students and teachers. And so he's been a, he's also a successful actor. He was in the show Sopr- The Sopranos. He's got a great podcast. So you got to get you got to appreciate that guy managed to like, you know, he, and you think about. You think about little Stevie, you think about Jermaine Jackson, you know, people don't talk about it, but hey, Jermaine Jackson was a fan, was and is a fantastic bass player. And he was was and is a great vocalist. The only reason Jermaine Jackson wasn't a huge star is because he was standing beside the biggest star to ever do it, Michael Jackson. But if you really look at Jermaine Jackson's resume, you know, he had duets with Whitney Houston, who by the way, was in, is an inductee this year into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, so Michael kind of inadvertently, just by being you know next to Michael, you're just not going to stand out much. Exactly. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. But like, if you look at Jermaine, he managed to like, well, I'll put it like this. You got to be, you got to have appreciation for a guy who managed, or a girl for that matter, who uh, manages to find a way to shine when they're in the room with the biggest star in the world. People like Morris Day, the aforementioned Jermaine Jackson, little Stevie Van Zandt, Kelly Rowland, original member of Destiny's Child. She was the one, she was one of the other members of Destiny's Child and she was honestly like super fantastic, very talented, knows what she's doing. Great performer, had some hits on her own, had a huge hit with Nelly called Dilemma. You know, so it's like, yeah, that person's huge. That person's a big deal. But you know what? That person's awesome too. So I'm just taking a second right now to shout out the other guy. Fair enough. Rant over. Any thoughts? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that kind of happens a lot more than we think, you know. Maybe Taylor Swift has a, someone in her band. Nah, that's I'm, not so I'm much. I'm just no. reaching there. Yeah, good, good try. But I mean, honestly, that's not the best example there to could use. Could be the next great American songwriter, just nestled in Taylor's backing band. No, I can't even sell that. Can't. Not quite. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's sort of that's an example of a entity. Well, somebody who's worked very hard to be perceived as an entity unto themselves. She is a monument. A monument to what exactly? I don't know. She's just bigger than life. She's hmm. made herself like uh, uh, who's that guy? The guy that uh, Hughes, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Okay. She's going to start making airplanes next. <laughs> Actually, I was listening to something on the radio the other day, and this dude, it was like one of those year-end recap things that like people do. It was talking about, oh, this is what happened in music. And they were talking about Taylor Swift, and they were like, my prediction is that Taylor Swift will eventually go into politics. Yeah, that's that's a actually really good prediction. I don't know, man. I, that's legit. You really think so? Oh, of course. That right now she's you know garnering her her voter base, fan, I mean fan base, right? Yeah, that yeah. makes a ton of sense. That's the way of things, kind of right. The wind is changing. It's it's like now it's celebrity to politics. I suppose it is. Started in like the forties. Right? What, what? What? The forties? How do you mean? With Reagan. That's a very good point. You're like, you know what? I'm I gonna mean, go into politics. Yeah, he wasn't even a really particularly successful actor initially. Was, you know, oh, he was in like a couple of movies, but he was kind of like a he wasn't a huge, huge, huge star. You yeah. know? Yeah, he was just kind of he would be like, um, oh, I don't know, uh, like in terms uh, of like fame Vince level. Vaughn? I don't know. Maybe like a Woody Harrelson. Mm, you think that big? Okay, well, who's... Woody is huge. Well, that's a very good... Wait, what? I, I love Woody. Seriously? I, I, no, not really. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say. I mean, he's a pretty good actor. He's he, a good actor. Okay, side note. It's about time for Woody Harrelson to do another movie with uh, with Wesley Snipes. Been too long. Sure. Maybe involving some sport. Yeah, some sport. And, or maybe with. a girl that they could like fight over while That's, they're dealing with a bigger issue that is uh, like kind of typecast to be annoying <laughs> uh, right yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about yeah you know people talk bad about it but that was actually no nobody talks bad about white man can't jump that was a good movie it, it was all right you didn't enjoy white man it, it, can't it jump? was believable it was a good movie honestly yeah it was very believable it seemed very true to what I feel like the perception of L.A. was at the time. It's not my kind of movie, but I have to admit, it's good. Yeah. Had a great soundtrack, as every sort of urban-centric movie from the 90s did. Like, that was a very big deal. Like, if you had a movie that appealed to a certain audience, you had to have a dope soundtrack, too. Soundtrack? Soundtrack. You know what I mean. Okay, moving on. So, funny story. Uh, about two weeks ago, I'm in North Hollywood. I'm at a rehearsal. Run out to the car to get some. Re Walking back into the rehearsal room, and there's this cat standing in the hallway. And he sees me, and he goes, he sticks out his hand. Hey, how you doing? My name's Shavo, right? I'm like, hey, Shavo, nice to meet you. My first thought was, that's a unique name. Never heard that before. Shavo. Just went about my business, you know, go back into the rehearsal room. And then I realized, wait a minute. I know I've heard that name somewhere before. Come to realize in that moment... This particular Shavo is the bass player for System of a Down. Oh, snap. Yeah, I was like, well, damn. 
I really wish I'd realized that when I was standing there in front of him. There's a dozen questions I would have loved to have asked that guy. You know, being a bass player. Like, what's the wake up, put on your makeup song about? What is it really about? It's about, like, war, right? I don't know. Like, all of their songs are about war. And... Yeah, I guess. All right, it's about war. It's I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's about war. Wait, what, what's that other song that? That's the one that's definitely about war. That sounds war. like some Russian like dance song. I just see like a bunch of Russians like with their arms crossed doing that little dance. The Cossack dance. Yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds so ignorant. That dance, you know that the uh, fucking. Uh, sorry. Anyways, uh, no, I'm not sorry. We can cuss on this podcast you really once. really can i encourage i encourage coarse language coarse language generally speaking is a sign of honesty fuck yes anyways um <laughs> yeah system of a down yeah great band yeah yeah great okay. band anyway so it was cool because you know it's like a it's always nice to meet somebody who's a great bass player and b a lot of times when you when you run into people like that they tend to be a little off-putting um there's a certain other bass player who shall rename nameless because I'm not trying to like you know put any on blast I'll anybody on blast I'll like that but he could be considered legendary this is like one of these people that like when you think uh great bass players of the last 20 25 years this is one of the first like several names that pop up right and I ran into him one time at UCLA and he was completely dismissive it was like Wow, I did not expect this person to be this person. Ouch. That was kind of an uncomfortably... Like, I walked up to him and was like, Hey, I'm a big fan. I appreciate your work. I've been listening to you, like, my whole time as a bass player. He's like, Look, man, I'm just trying to get out of here. Look, can I just get in my car and go? I'm like, Wow. Okay, well, nice to meet you, but not really. Interesting. See you around. Maybe he was huffy. He was huffy like a BMX bike, and that's a reference that nobody over under under the age of thirty five will get. So he threw a tizzy. Yeah, yeah, he really did. I was like, damn, bro. Okay, but anyway, I guess not everybody's going to be your best friend. That's sure. actually something I have trouble with because, like, I kind of go into every interaction feeling like I'm about to like make a friend. You just make them be your best. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, you <laughs> will be my friend. I will use the Jedi mind trick on you. Anyway, so. So one very nice experience meeting one bass player, one not so nice experience meeting another bass player. But yin and the yang. Exactly. The circle of life. Taking a moment right now to um, acknowledge the legacy and the memory of the great Neil Peart. I pronounced it right, right? It is Neil Peart, right? I thought it was Pert. I don't think it's Pert. I've heard it. That's my whole life I've heard it Pert. I am almost going to bet that it's Pert. Really? Yeah. Rush fans, please forgive our ignorance on this. Yeah, I, I yeah, you know how and you know how those Rush fans be. Yes. Like I respected Rush. I still respect Rush. Obviously, it has not ended. Sure. Um, but, you know, just not really my thing. The, the the prog thing is cool. I just have to take it in little doses. Yeah, that's the thing. It's something you got to be in the mood for. With that said, like rare. pretty much everybody um like that's that's one of the amazing things that people always said about Neil Peart, because uh, you know they've been doing tributes and people have been talking about him all week. Is, I mean, when you think Prague, you don't think groove, but like he was really good for like being in the pocket. 
Like, oh, of course. Even in those odd time signatures, it's like he's an amazing still, drummer. Yeah, or was. Yeah, so they um, the music. I'm I'm not. I, it is not breaking news to say that the music world lost a tremendous, tremendous, uh, amazing artist, human being. Apparently, and he really did it right too. He like wasn't always up in people's faces trying to be some star. He was actually very private. Donated a lot of money to charity. Um, was a real advocate for uh, just he was the kind of musician that like you look at it's like yeah that guy is the guy that did it right he wrote all the lyrics for Rush I had that's no idea huge. that's that's pretty uncommon yeah like drummer's not oh I got these lyrics yeah here yeah. check these out mm-hmm, yeah sing nice, these nice thank yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll look into it yeah. Okay. yeah exactly they usually get tossed out with a couple of exceptions most noteworthy our good friend Tony Huntoff you remember him right I do, Tony. Tony, uh, who actually, oh, you know, we should take a second to plug his. He and his lovely wife Jennifer have a new project out. It's called Beauty and the Knee, spelled like that thing between your upper and lower leg. And um, song as old as rhyme. Oh, good lord, really? <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Why did he's um, a little whatever? He's a little something. He's a little shy. Who knows those he's players? a little scared. I don't know. I, just, I know all of them actually. Are you serious? <laughs> no. That's. I was about to of say. Not. Why would I? I'd be no, kind no. of. I'd be kind of impressed, but I'd also be kind of perturbed. Oh sure. Yeah. With that said, anyway, uh, check out my buddy Tony's project. It's called Beauty and the Knee, and uh, what, they're both on what just platform. I believe it is available on all streaming platforms. But you so know what? iTunes, yeah. Spotify, and the like. I'm pretty sure it's available on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Tidal, Apple Music. As a matter of fact, seeing as I have an iPad right in front of me, I'm going to check to see if I can find it. While I do that, Dominic, you were saying something about synth hipsters and how annoying they are. Oh, no. I just, no. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's not that. Uh, it's not that. Uh, that much vitriol. Um, no, it's uh, more I was just kind of having uh, problems with lugging all of my synths to a synth show and setting them all up, which is fine. Uh, but it is a lot, a lot of work. It's it's more work than setting up a drum set easily. And uh, it's a fun show, uh, but... The setup and teardown is pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. I've played guitar for a long time and and set up for shows and lugged Marshall cabs out of cars and whatnot. But uh, this is a lot. This is a lot of gear. So I'm just debating on uh, kind of nixing the synths and just using Pro Tools on my computer. Uh Uh-oh. Just doing everything on Pro Tools and just kind of like singing along with it or playing a lead line. But in the synth community, you know, that's kind of – it's not as fun as lugging 10 million pounds of synth gear and setting it all up for people. Because who doesn't want to lug uh, 10 million pounds of synth gear? And admittedly, if I saw someone with a bunch of synths, I'd be like, wow, that's really cool. We should come and watch that. We should go watch this guy. But uh, but even, you know, like acts like Depeche Mode, I mean, majority of the gear is, is uh, backstage or just confined to a – a stem like a pro tools file and that that'll just get played and and uh you know maybe like the keyboard player will play a lead line the, the main line so it's like hey we're still playing something guys <laughs> and uh 
So, yeah, uh, just coming from the guitar world where you play every single note and then coming to the synth world where that's not so much the case, which isn't a bad thing, um, but it's just different. And, you know, lugging a bunch of synth gear is a pain in the ass, frankly, and I'm not sure if I want to do that regularly. Regularly. So I'd probably limit myself to maybe, you know, one show every two months honestly because it's just it's just hell on on everything you know that bad huh it's just uh i need to streamline i either need to find a way to find set it up quicker um or just eliminating the synths which kind of sucks because when you take out the actual hardware that's kind of the fun element it's just you have a synth sitting there up on stage instead of just your you know lame laptop you know and uh, which kind of looks a little lackluster, you know? <laughs> Some guy sitting up with their laptop. It's, yay. Push, push play. Yeah. Uh, but, they, you know, to to their credit, they did arrange everything on that laptop, and they did make a song, so you got to credit them for that. So uh, the times, they are a-changing. So what I think I'm going to do is I think I may have some video of you performing one of your songs on your synth setup. And assuming I do, and I can find it, I'm going to put it up on the Gig Podcast Facebook page so that people can see just what it is you're dealing with and what a challenge it is. I see the crap I'm going through. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, look for that on the Gig Facebook Podcast page. page in addition to that uh getting back to beauty in the knee uh found it the name of their ep is the world is getting smaller and um heard a couple of their songs there i mean i'm biased because they're really really good friends uh but in addition to that they're super duper talented like uh jen has been on broadway and she's a fantastic singer and tony uh is the uh tony uh he actually teaches um uh, at a great school in Santa Monica. And in addition to that, he is a fantastic songwriter. We were for a very long time in a band called Upstart Together. Fantastic funk band. Uh, one of the best groups I've ever been in. And I've been in some groups. Let me tell you something. But Tony, the drummer, wrote all the lyrics. Honestly, he was kind of the primary songwriter guy. And I see what you're doing. Yeah, you're tying it Circling in. it right uh... back. So a lot of times the... Uh, a drummer's well is really deep. So shout out to Neil Peart and his legacy as an amazing musician. Uh, shout out to all of his friends, fans, and loved ones. And in addition to that, give your drummer a chance. Having said that, let's move on. Another very, very big story. Um, we're recording this just a couple of days after the announcement of who is getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There were, as every year, there's a whole bunch of uh, people who are kind of nominated and then they um, they go through and so there's a, like a committee that hashes that out and decides, okay, this are the people, these are the people who are going to be getting in. So this year, this year's inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Bieber, obviously, should be number one. Not eligible yet. Not eligible yet. He has, let's see, uh he still has to wait another 12 and a half years. Well, the nation needs to wake up to Bieber mania. 
That's all I'm saying. That's it's, all I'm saying. It's actually Bieber fever. Okay, sorry. Come on now. Bieber fever. Bieber fever. Okay. Let's, Proceed. We got to keep this. We got to keep it. We just right. had to get in there. for Got to keep for it Biebs. real with the Biebs. He actually has a new Biebster. record out right now, apparently, called Yummy. I can't say I'm a big fan of the title, but it's I, it's no worse than any of his I just, other I stuff. I just think of Ace Ventura going, yummy. That's the only thing I can think of. Frankly speaking, me too. Um, I will say this. I didn't hate his last record. Like, you know, Justin, he's like... Uh, I'm sure there were some fine musicians on it. Yeah, yeah. Ed Sheeran wrote one of the songs, and that ended up being a really big hit. It's funny, because it's he like one of those... He's just walking money, like, wherever he goes. He... His tour made more money than any Little tour Hobbit. of the last 10 years. The tour that he did last year, um, he sold more tickets, more ticket revenue than any other touring act, even U2. Over the last several years, though, it's worth mentioning that U2 still kind of holds the record because their shows are fantastic and they're legendary. So, uh, yeah. They're, anyway, point they're I'm trying to make is. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's U2 Incorporated, for real. With that said, uh, Ed Sheeran. Um, He's moving lots of units, and honestly speaking, I, I'm not a fan, but he's making some pretty good music. Sure, yeah, I wouldn't know. I haven't heard any of it. I'm, I'm sure I've heard some of it and just not known. It's probably on in Target or something. Oh yeah, it's definitely on in Target. <laughs> it's on and popping in Target. So let's get to these inductees. This year's inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are as follows: Whitney Houston. The Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. T-Rex, oh, okay. The Doobie Brothers, mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. and there you go. All right. So there has been a lot of talk over the last day or two about the fact that Whitney Houston and Biggie Smalls are not rock acts, so should they go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um that kind of talk is kind of bullshit, in my opinion, just on the strength of the fact that... It's not even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's that's the point. Like I mean, the rock pop, holo- poppy, yeah, it's, yeah, it's whatever popular music. And yeah. you, you, you want to talk... That's you gotta not under- rock, man. Exactly. That's what a lot of people have been saying. You scroll through Facebook, they're not rock. That's uh, not... Why do they even call it the rock and roll not rock. No? It's just like industrial... It's industrial rock, right? Uh, I guess. I don't I don't consider it rock But here, But here's the thing. You gotta, like... I think it's important to consider that words and language are, for a, to a degree, they're kind of living things. Or the birds, no. Well, good lord, <laughs> um, words are kind of living things, and they, you know, their uh, meanings of words can sometimes have a fluidity. You know that um, there's no getting around that. I mean, ones you nobody can tell me that they've never blowed their nose and asked for a Kleenex instead of a tissue. Kleenex is a brand name, but you know, but anybody... You know damn well it's exactly. called tissue. Exactly. But, you know, you say Kleenex, hey, could I get some Kleenex? Because words mean different things in different at different and times tissue in different contexts. Tissue just sounds context. weird. Can I get a tissue? It sounds like what you... It sounds like what you do before you ask for one. Sure. It's just, you know... Why didn't I never notice that? I was today years old when I realized that... Kleenex just sounds like more macho. It does? Yo, dog... Hand me a Kleenex. Kleenex. Run me a Kleenex, dog. And instead of just, <laughs> can I get a tissue? Hey, a hey, tissue is just hey, kind bro, of. Can I get a tissue? More delicate. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with delicate. Nothing wrong with that. Anyway, point I'm trying to I make. I just want to sound like Charlton Heston. No. 
<laughs> you can have my tissues when you ply them from oh, my cold, dead. dead hands. That's. I just kind of want to sound, you know, tough. All that's the not time. tough. That's creepy. That's mad, that's mad creepy, son. Okay. It's making me cry. I need a tissue. I'll stop being so tough. <laughs> anyway, so there's your nominees this year. Uh, notable snubs uh, this year for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are, well, I think the one that jumps out at me the most. The Birds one, of the Beep, but continue. Well, I, hey, you Obviously. know what? It's just, he's got a decent shot of getting in I'm when sure he becomes eligible. Just wait, like five years yeah yeah i mean there but anyways i digress so uh there are several bands that did not make it in that a lot of people are very upset about um including but not limited to uh pat benatar judas priest uh dave matthews band Mm -hmm. Craftwork. uh none of those bands uh all of those bands were nominated but they were not chosen to be inductees i think the one that stands Mm -hmm. out to me the most that makes me go Ah, uh, yeah, that's kind of messed up. Is Pat Benatar? I feel like she's kind of been somebody who's done the work and you know established a legacy and has had the influence. Yeah, I definitely say she got robbed. Yeah, um, and Notorious B.I.G. Eh, I guess. I mean, why uh, you not? know, I, I yeah, that's the one. That I'm like, I mean, I'm I, I recognize his. I'm like, pretty indifferent on that. It's that's. I'm not I like I actually way. I you know you know I, you know I, '90s hip hop is kind of my thing. It's like. Those were a lot of my formative years, like, you know, music-wise. If you don't know, now you know. But with that said, if I'm looking at, if I'm picking a rapper to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, I'm going with, like, a rock him. Because, like, yeah, everybody loves Biggie, and Biggie was great at what he did, and he made some amazing records. Sure, sure. But, like, I can't look at Biggie and say, everybody raps the way they rap now because of what he did. As a no. lyricist, he's just kind of his signature slow, right? Exactly, kind of stuff. Not that he couldn't speed it up because he did do this one record with Bone Thugs and Harmony called Notorious Thugs, where it's like, oh, he's doing the thing that Bone does, and sure. that's kind of amazing. But as a matter of fact, it, you know he, what? As a matter of fact, pull that up real quick. I feel like I want to hear that just so people can like understand. It called? It's called Notorious Thugs, and I'm pretty sure that if you do a search for it, it'll be the first thing that comes up. This was a song from the album Life After Death, which was Biggie's first posthumous release. It was a double album. Uh, yeah, that should probably be it. We'll probably have to wait for a commercial, won't we? No? Dope. I guess I should have mentioned that it's a really, really long intro. Let's get to the meat of it. it. It'll come pretty quick. Don't worry about it. Now, this is really, like, from a production standpoint, this is really very indicative of the sort of the aesthetic that they follow with Biggie's records. Gambling, I'm restaurants with mandolins and violins. We just sitting here trying to win, trying not to sin. 
high off weed and oxygen. So much smoke need oxygen. Suddenly counting Benjamins. Nigga, you should too if you knew what this game would do to you. Been in this shit since '92. Look at all the bullshit I've been through. So called beef with you know who. Fucked a few female stars or two. Then I blew like niggas blew like my shit. Not to be fucked with. But fuck better duck quick. Cause me and my dogs love buck shit. Fuck the luck shit. Stick the aim. No aspirations to quit the game. Spit your game. Fuck your shit. Grab your gap. Call your clips. Squeeze your clip. Hit the right one. Pass that weed. I got the light one. All them niggas. I got the fight one. All them hoes. I got the light one. Our situation is a tight one. What you gonna do? Fight or run. Seems to me that you take the bone and big nigga die slowly. I'ma tell you like a nigga told me. Cash roll everything around me. Shit. Lyrically, niggas can't see me. Fuck it. Buy the coke. Cook the coke. Cut it. Know the bitch before you call yourself numbing it. Nigga with a best fucking. All right, so that's his verse in that song, and that was kind of like noteworthy because he tended to be really laid back with his flow. It was all really good, and it, he had a real good he had a real good head for like fitting his vocal cadence in with the rhythm of what he was rapping on. But this is a situation where he said, "Okay, I'm gonna do what these guys do." Like if I'm remembering the story correctly, and I'm getting this, I guess from an interview that I saw with P Diddy, he was like, "So." He goes in and he listens to what they're doing. He uh, listens to what they're doing as the, the other guys in Bone... Because it's a duet with Bone Thugs and Harmony. I should have mentioned that. And so he listens to what they're doing and, you know, how they're planning on putting their stuff on the... And he says, okay. And he steps away for a minute, just writes his stuff out, comes out, and that's the verse he came with. And it's like, okay. Wow, he's really versatile. That's kind of cool because it can be very, very difficult to switch up like that, especially... But... but but you don't think he should be inducted? No. Why? On the strength of the fact that although he was definitely like a, a legendary MC, great personality, great lyricist, great records, great recording artist. Like I, I look at a guy like Rakim, who was another rapper who was really, really big in the 80s. And I look at him and I go, oh, now this is a guy that influenced the way people rapped like moving forward from that point like let's pull up some rock in real quick uh pull up a song uh there's a song called know the ledge it's a song from the it's a soundtrack to the movie juice it was a really really big hit it was also from his album uh, don't sweat the technique here it is this is know the ledge this is like quintessential rock him sip the juice i got enough to go around and the thought takes place uptown I grew up on a sidewalk while on street talk and then taught the whole New York. I go to Queens for Queens to get the food from Brooklyn. They pony in Manhattan and never been took it. Go uptown to the Bronx and boogie down. Get strong on the island, recoup and lay around. Time to build my juice back up. Pop stack up. Suckers get smacked up. Don't doubt the clout. You know what I'm about. I smoke this off. Knocking it down. Shaking them up. Waking them up. Breaking them up. Breaking them up. Standing on shaky ground. Too close to the edge. Let's see if I know the ledge. Okay, we can figure that out. So, yeah. See, here's a guy that, like, so, specifically what he sort of contributed to what was going on with rap music was he was kind of the first guy um, to have, like, not just have the words rhyme at the end of a phrase. Like, you know, there would be, like, he would pick, like, one sort of sound and, like, keep on rhyming that sound, like, within the bar. And like that had never been done before he came along. And look at that kind of influence, and you, and you hear that pretty much moving forward from there with 
the majority of uh, noteworthy rappers. Like he was, I mean, he wasn't even necessarily the first one to do it, but he was the first one to like really make it work and really make it pop. So like, um, and I don't think he's anywhere near close to getting nominated, which is really unfortunate, but that maybe would suggest that there needs to be like a hip hop specific hall of fame of some kind. I think that might not be a terrible idea because he would be definitely rock. Him would definitely be a first, uh, first round, first ballot, first year nominee. Oh, it's so also- you could make the argument that <clears throat> being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not anything to be too, too excited about. If it was me, I'd be excited about it. I mean, it's great for the bands that are excited about it. So you know, so I'm not. You know, you certainly it's and what it means is. So what you're saying is it's unjust. It can be. It can be, you know, when you see a situation like a, when you see a situation like a Judas Priest or a Pat Benatar not um, being inducted, like a lot of people have been like, oh, why is Whitney Houston going? I don't care. Just, you know, she's she's a legend. Whitney Houston, it's Whitney Houston. She can go wherever she wants. She actually did do two rock records. I haven't heard anyone that was upset about. <laughs> I well, I listen to a lot of talk radio and. Uh, uh, a lot of music people on Facebook are like, Whitney Houston's not rock, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who said that? Words words move around and words mean uh, different things say, in different let's contexts. say their name on air. Well, no, no, we're not <laughs> going to do that because that's not the point. The, the point is that that feeling is out there. And so it's like, I don't, I, I don't care so much about the people who get in. I care about the people who deserve to be in that don't. Like, sure. it's like, let's respect, especially in a situation where like um, three of the groups that got in, aren't going to be able to perform or be present because they're not alive anymore. They're dead. You know, Whitney Houston's not alive anymore. It's just, yeah, I, I get, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Extremely. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who, whose idea was that? Um, Probably Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm he's kind of involved in it or whatever. Like, cause he's sort of one of those, he's just like Hollywood's official mu- music lover. But I mean, if you think about it, rock and roll, uh, it is kind of a corporatized thing, you know, like it's all up in restaurants and theme parks. And merchandising, mer- merchandising. Yeah. That's where the real money is made. Well, I mean, actually, I do have a sort of a philosophy about that. It's like um, it can't be it shouldn't be 100 percent commerce, obviously. But, it, you know, there has to be a commercial aspect to the culture. Sure. Because the culture has to be able to support itself. You know, so it's like it. The question is, is it out of balance? And yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning there. It's a little bit out of balance, and you know, there's no getting around that. But you like know, the rock giants like Pink Floyd and uh, you know, kind of the big UK rock bands mm-hmm. get tons of clout. Like Pink Floyd is massive. I love Pink Floyd. But also, yeah, they're huge. They're like they're like U two now. Yeah, yeah. I think U two is the perfect example to use. It's like they're like they're an incorporated organization. Like mm-hmm. there's a U two office. There's so much money behind U two and Pink Floyd. It's just like yes, U two, Pink Floyd, uh, the Rolling Stones, Rush had Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, all of these. Yeah, all of these are, for all intents and purposes, organizations that hire and have like hundreds or thousands of people on the payroll you know there's a michael jackson incorporated there's a there's a you know if you're looking for a more current example there's definitely a drake incorporated you know that guy is uh 
that guy has given lots of people jobs, you know, keeping him in business management and A&R and, and recording people, etc. <laughs> Listen to that. <laughs> oh, oh, on the cell phone. Okay, because before he said, you used to call me on my, and I'm thinking, ham radio? CB? Probably not. Oh, cell phone. Oh, oh, good thing he specified or else I wouldn't have known. I mean, it works as a lyric. You know, it really if you think about the second you start thinking about his lyrics, they all fall to pieces. That's true for lots of people. (laughs) That is true for so many people out there. (laughs) I um, I um, there's this one. You remember my old metal band, Year of the Dragon, right? Yes. There was a song we had. It didn't make the last record I did with them, but there was a song we had called Man Up. And the last... Yeah, you remember that one because you saw us do it a couple of shows. Um, the last lyric of that song always... Because it's supposed to be a song that's like motivational and, you know, the kind of song to get you up, get, you know... Yeah, always. You know, it ridicules you into shape. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a sonic drill sergeant, right? But the last, so it has all of these motivational and strong lyrics about empowerment and stuff. But the last lyric of the first verse was, fuck what I'm talking about. Come on and hit this weed. It's like, what? (laughs) I mean, in context, it's like, I thought we was going motivational. Now you just, fuck what I'm talking about. Then you just went like (laughs) chaos theory on me. (laughs) Pretty much. But it worked. Like in context, I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck all that. Let's go smoke some weed. (laughs) Not that I smoke weed because I do not partake. stuff that I was just saying? forget all of it yeah but it's great though like in the context of the song you're like whatever sure whatever no it works because that's what it's supposed to be anyway so uh rock and roll hall of fame lyrics that don't make any sense in context what else do we have oh real quick real quick give me one new thing that you're listening to give me one old thing that you're listening to uh one old thing i'm listening to is i'll just give everyone a little quickie Sample do of it. Sample do? How about you sample don't? Oh, hey Hey. I thought that'd be much funnier. Okay, so I was just kind of listening to this nonstop, trying to figure it out on the piano and, and stuff. It's just kind of a, uh, like a 40s kind of ballad kind of style. It's Joe Stafford. Joe Stafford. You belong to me. Great, great. Just... Super wistful, dreamy, love it. See the pyramids along the night. Mm. Watch the sunrise on a tropic island. Oh, yeah, I love that. Chord. Just remember, darling, all the while. <laughs> you belong to me, okay? So you don't get it uh, twisted. All of a sudden, sting. Don't come back with crabs and then wow. give me an STD. <laughs> and all of a sudden, every breath you take doesn't seem quite as psycho. Because this kind of trumps the fuck out of that. So, yeah, uh, that's the old thing I'm listening to. Okay. Uh, as far as new, uh, I've been kind of listening to Anima by... Uh, Tom York, and this is just Tom York. This oh. is not, no longer uh, Radiohead. Is there still a Radiohead? Yes. Um, I don't think they've had a crazy rock star argument yet. Okay. So this is this is Anima, and it's just kind of Tom York sitting on a subway along with other people who are just kind of in a commute. Okay. Uh, 
we're watching all, a video right now. Yeah, and they're all just kind of falling asleep, you know. To, it, this is kind of protesting them. So what I'll do is I'll post the link to this video on the uh, Gig Podcast uh, Facebook page. So, yeah, a couple of things that are uh, kind of piquing my interest right now. Makes me want to never ride the subway again. Yeah, right. That's kind of just me every day. I'm like, <laughs> huh? What? It's a bunch of people trying to stay awake, but it's like synchronized trying to stay awake. Yeah, it's. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, that Bjork movie, Dancer in the Dark. Uh, a lot of the choreography in it was uh, really, really interesting, really special. Is it just weird to you? Is it is it is it just me or is it weird that Bjork and Tom York haven't done a record together? Oh, I think done stuff together. Really? So there really is a Bjork and York. Bjork and York. Bjork and York. I mean, that's a super group for your ass right there. Hipster super group. A hipster super group. Yes, I was listening to Bjork before she hooked up with York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they they can't hook up. It would just be too. Like two huge powers, they're too big. Yeah, that's that's just too much gravity. I think it would. I think Europe would collapse. Yes. Okay, my turn. So my newer thing that I've been listening to very much a lot lately is a song actually by an acquaintance of mine. He's a, a songwriter, producer, arranger. Lives up in the valley. His name is James Harper. He put out a song several months ago called When Autumn Comes, and holy shit, for those of you paying attention, it sounds a little something like this. Do a little something like this. Actually, fast forward a little bit. The intro's kind of Smoke rings above the bed all day. Do you think this can last forever? Now, this is going to run for a minute because y'all got to hear this chorus because I heard the chorus for this song. I was like, no, let it run, let it run, let it run. Is it crazy I can't remember a thing about her? I know. I'm in spring, I don't need no one to lean on. But when autumn comes, won't you just let your head down? Ski with me on a frozen lake with the palm tree when autumn comes probably not say what yeah but oh that's cold dude. that's cold <laughs> at any rate man as far as i'm concerned this i mean was this the best record to come out last year i'm gonna just go on record and say it was definitely my favorite record that came out last year i'm not just saying it's because it's biased like i heard this shit and i was like it is available on all digital streaming platforms again it is called when autumn comes by james harper late of the valley section of the greater los angeles metropolitan area find it listen to it uh bump them streams up Okay, so that's my new thing. Now, what is my old thing that I've been listening to a lot? Um, to be frank, I listen to more old stuff than I do new stuff. I mean, uh, it's just I like old stuff. But, okay, all right. 
my old thing that I've been listening to a lot lately um, is actually, and this isn't the first time we've mentioned him, there's a song that Michael Jackson recorded for his, the last album he recorded uh, before he died. Um, the last album they released before he died was called Invincible. And it came out in 2001, and there was a song on it called Whatever Happens. And it's a song with him and Carlos Santana on guitar. Okay, here we go. Actually, he does throw... Go ahead, I'll just... I'll, okay, like, so. He does throw that line in. He does not throw that one in, but he throws another one in that he like always does on every record. So here it is. Desert Town. Yeah, yeah, you could tell. Like, that's the thing, man. This, this, this shit totally tells a story. I'm not even sure what the story is. I mean, it's kind of in the lyrics, but again, it's like they're secondary. It's a guy and a girl. You kind of feel like they're on the run, but what matters is this song is so dope. He gives another smile. Got to understand her side. Bass drum. Sure that he cares. She can't stay in the room. Yeah. I should let it keep going till we get to the Santana part. But honestly, oh, speaking, no, we gotta hear it. Okay. Alright, so we're gonna let it run. As long as it's not like at the very end. No, 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 no. There's actually there's a there's a um there's a um he goes into solo right after the second solo, so it's actually coming up here just a minute. And it's big Santana, honestly. Like even if you had never You'd be like, oh yeah, that's Santana. This is definitely Santana. Is that with Santana right there? Oh yeah. Is that Santana playing Okay. So here it comes. Wait for it. Wait for it now. Shout out to Michael Jackson. R.I.P. Rest in power. You still here, Mike? Santana right there and it's Pete Mike and it's one of the great tell that to tell that to Rob Thomas see come on come on not that I disagree but come on you gotta you gotta you gotta remember what a um what a huge record Supernatural was you know that was his big comeback record you know he has duets with everybody and Come on, it was like... It was, let's just say, I, in my opinion, I think it was kind of a gimmick. Oh, uh, yeah, it absolutely was a gimmick. It was a gimmick that paid off, though. I mean, sure, it, like, sure. it happened exactly. But that was all planned. That Everything they did with that record, all the duets, everybody they chose to be on, it was like, yeah, we trying to bring it Carlos was, back. It was very organized, which was fine. Yeah. I just liked the, the, like, the romanticism and the, like, acid crazed 60s vibe a lot better than his like hey i'm uh cleaning it up now guys what do you think so what you're saying is his old stuff is better than his new stuff of course yeah but the thing is that's true about everybody like there are very few artists for whom their new music trumps what they did back in the day like good luck finding that person i'm not saying they're not out there how can you reproduce your initial magic it's impossible exactly you know you're not hungry anymore you're not you know anyway 
I'll say this. I love this song. One of the great, since we're talking about marketing and uh, well-marketed stuff, one of the great marketing missteps in the history of records is that that was not the first single from Invincible. Instead, the first single was Rock My World, which was not a bad song. But at the time, man, I mean, as big as Carlos Santana was and as great of a record as that was, that song would have won every Grammy that year. Sure. It would have been a huge hit. And so I missed that. Anyway, so that's my old and new. And um, the time has come for us to draw to a close. You got any parting shots? Anything you want to leave us with before we step off? Uh, I just do a little uh, selfless. Uh, Please do. No, yeah, absolutely. Plug that shit. So, yeah, uh, I have two albums out right now you should check out. Uh, my. Uh, music name i guess is romantic analog it's my kind of solo project and uh my two albums out are light and dark and emotional prototype that's so, a great title dude so go check those out they're on itunes and spotify and amazon and hit me up at uh fuse 511 at com, and i can send you uh a physical copy and some stickers also if you're interested so, all right. Congratulations. I'm so, also on Facebook. So. Once again, fuse511 at gmail.com. If you're trying to cop that, hashtag cop that, that's where you go. As far as I am concerned, uh, what do I got out right now? Just last Friday, a very good friend of mine, David Tam, uh, released his new album, The Sessions, which is basically his The Chronic. Um, it's just an amazing amazing compilation of great songs with some great MCs, some fantastic production and bass playing by yours truly. Uh, it is available on all digital streaming platforms. Once again, it is called The Sessions by David Tam. It's a great record. Uh, it's one of several that I've done over the last year that I'm really, really happy with. I'll tell you more about those in uh, upcoming podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time, your attention. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we will see you again a little further down the road. And we out. Thanks, everyone. 